0: Good morning church, thank you for being here today at our first service, you to the worship team and to Jackie for leading us in worship and around the table, Um, let's just pray before we come to the word, Father we come before you today, we thank you that we're in your house with your people, we thank you for what you're doing in our church, we thank you Father God for the salvations Father, for people getting saved. And Father, beginning that, that journey with you, Father, we're so thankful for that because we're praying for that and believing for that. Father, as we look at this today, this, this, this faith uh, that we talk about, Father, as we share about this, we pray, Father God, that, that you will encourage us and challenge us and teach us as we pray every Sunday uh, by your word, through your spirit. And Father, we just thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We are continuing on with our sermon series through Matthew. Uh, The title of today's uh, sermon is A Lack of Faith. Uh, Faith is central uh, to the life that we live. Uh, Everything about us with the journey that we are on uh, with God is foundational. Um, uh, The Bible gives a definition of faith in Hebrews 11 verse 1 when it says, Now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we have not seen. Each and every one of us has faith in here today. We, we had the faith to believe that Jesus Christ, the power to change our lives, and he did. We had the faith to believe that we're forgiven of our, of our sin. Uh, and whether we took that evidence, and, and, and we did, we took the evidence from the word of God, uh, and we believe that, and, and that's faith. And so it's central to what we believe. Uh, faith is so important, even Hebrews 11 verse 6 Tells us, it simply says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. God expects us to have faith, He expects everything that we believe to be built upon that foundation of faith. And we have been on this journey through Matthew and faith has come up in the previous chapters. Uh, One of the things we said earlier in one of the sermons we did was our physical eyesight gives us evidence of the material world. uh, But our faith is the eyesight we need for the spiritual world. Uh, And Matthew has shown us different examples of where that faith uh, fits in. And we're going to look at one of those today where Jesus speaks of a people who have a lack of faith. Uh, Matthew has been faithfully telling us of the life and times of Jesus so far Jesus has been revealed to the nation of Israel uh, but he's also been rejected by the the Pharisees and the religious teachers of Israel they hated him and stuff and they actually said that the miracles that he was doing the words that he was speaking actually were not done in the spirit of God but were done uh, by the power of the devil and we began chapter 13 speaking about parables that Jesus was speaking in uh, revealing his truth just to those who really had the ears to listen because some people had simply just switched off from what Jesus had to say so we begins to speak in parables and we looked at one we didn't look at all the parables but we did look at the parable of the sower we looked last week at the parable uh, of the treasure and the great pearl comparing it to the kingdom of heaven and so Jesus uh, does this as Matthew writes he concludes the teaching of the parables first to the large crowd because Jesus not only speaks to the individual and is interested in the individual he also speaks to the small group whether it's disciples and that but also the large crowds as well and so we see this here that he's got uh, here in the end of Matthew 13 uh, we're seeing what happened to Jesus as he returned home And it says this in Matthew 13, it says, When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offence at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour, except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Uh, Jesus uh, uh, is here, and we see in this story, this is the day-to-day living stuff that Jesus does, travels on uh, the journey that he's on. And he comes to his hometown of Nazareth. Uh, He'd been living in Capernaum. Uh, Both Joseph and Mary had grown up in this small town of Nazareth. Jesus returns here. And in returning here, the crowds, the people that knew him from growing up, they're astonished at his teaching and the miracles that he had been performing. There is an astonishment, but also a rejection here as well uh, for who Jesus is. And they simply asked these questions. Well, where did he get this wisdom from? Where did the ability come from for him to do these uh, mighty works? They didn't deny the power because the evidence is there all the way through the teachings of Matthew so far of what Jesus has been doing in, in performing the miraculous, in healing the sick, in doing all the stuff that he's been doing that we have looked at in different stories. But what they were offended by was this, that someone... Who had come from among them would seem to be so important and favoured, and that's where the struggle is. That's why, as Jesus returns to his hometown, he says, "Well, a prophet is not without honour except in his own town." But there are some points that we make just by way of introduction here. The first one is this: they could not deny his miracles or wisdom, and there was no objection to his morals or personal character or conduct that's important for us to say this because there is an element of how we look at Jesus today that people cannot argue that, that we can't question Jesus's morality but we can't question his character his integrity even to the point that you in this story they can't deny his miracles because they'd heard all about it some of them had witnessed it because they had seen Jesus perform these miracles. I mean, even like today when people talk about uh, you know, what Jesus has done and who Jesus is, it says, though you can back who Jesus is with physical historical evidence, the real evidence is what Jesus has done in people's lives. The real evidence often is people's testimony. Sometimes I've said this to people, you know, you you cannot argue anybody into the kingdom of God. I mean, I've to make that clear sometimes because people, you know, they they love a good discussion, they love a good argument and when they get somebody who doesn't know Jesus, they try and argue them into the kingdom. The greatest testimony we have is the personal one of what Jesus has done in our individual life. Could that be we've been set free from something? Could that be uh, the discovery of who he is and what he's done? And Jesus Christ still changes people's lives today. That, that's the evidence of it, isn't it? That actually something that happened in history still affects what goes on in people's lives today. Uh, and so we come back to the story and we see the second point here that... Those who had the best opportunity to know Jesus rejected him. Familiarity had bred contempt, and that's quite a modern saying. It's not found in Scripture, but it's true that we said it. Familiar, when you when you really know somebody, familiarity sometimes breeds contempt. What you, this man, this woman, and it breeds contempt, and it bred contempt among those that knew him in his own hometown because they asked the question, who, who this man? He says, isn't this Jesus, the, his mother, is Mary, he says his brothers, his sisters, just a, a normal guy, the carpenter's son and that. And yet yeah, there is a fulfillment as well of prophecy, uh, and uh, not spoken of in Matthew, but spoken of in John, that says he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him that could be spoken of in two ways that could be to the jews who rejected him but also to his own family and that that knew him and they uh, rejected him so their reception of jesus was not really welcoming or friendly it was almost skeptical is the word that we were jews you know when you just can't quite believe something or you want to believe that You have those doubts that are there. That's what it means to be sceptical, almost referring to him as this man. This man has done this. And the questions they ask are not sincere. They're, they're almost bordering on sarcastic. They're, they can't believe that this is the one, this is the man that God has chosen to be the Messiah. That's why they're rejecting him. They're astonished by what Jesus has done. But they're rejecting him as well. And the tone of their response is who does this Jesus think he is? Who who is he to be the one that's doing what he's doing? And they have that phrase, it says, I took offense at him. And that simply just means what I've just said that actually they're living in the camp of skeptics. They're just not quite sure. When you hear something, when you see something, you have that at the back of your mind that just says, What him? What her? How could God use them? How how could this happen with them? And there's that scepticism that just sort of makes it there must be another reason here. And so Jesus' rejection here in Nazareth, it's coming at a point in the book of Matthew where it foreshadows the whole rejection of his ministry and message as a whole. But you have to remember Jesus is on a journey, and he? he's on a journey, and, and Matthew takes us on that journey from, from, from his birth to his crucifixion and his resurrection but that happens here we're in the middle of the book now and there is that rejection that is there that Jesus uh, we remember stood up at Nazareth at the beginning of his ministry it's spoken in the synagogue it's spoken from Isaiah and the people were so angry with him about what it said I mean I get away with it as a preacher when I read this story and stuff because when Jesus spoke that day went outside they tried to throw him off a cliff for the words that he'd spoken of that morning now I know sometimes people might not like what I say but I don't believe anybody in here would try and run me over in a car after the church except for Barry Telford has got his hand on I don't know anybody who try to run me over in their car because of what I said or throw me off a cliff or something. Yeah, this is what happens here with Jesus way back at the beginning of his ministry in Nazareth. And now he comes back now to the same people. And you see, what strikes him, you see, it's actually the very ordinariness of Jesus' home background that the causes the, the astonishment. Often we're a little bit confused about what it means to be spiritual. Uh, we often think that spiritual people will be sometimes more strange and normal uh, than we would look at it, and that's where the astonishment is with Jesus. This was a man who was a carpenter, son, he, he was a carpenter. He would have known the brothers, his sisters. He said he had family and stuff in the hometown and stuff. And that ordinariness, if that's even a word, I couldn't find another word to describe it. Just that being ordinary. Uh, is the astonishment that people have that often at times when we think of Jesus as he was here on earth there was this sort of glow around him uh, and the halo and things like that Jesus was just this ordinary man the son of God who had been sent on a mission from God it says to redeem and save the whole world but, but there is this, this ordinary that there was nothing strange about him but people rejected him because of that but they were also astonished by him as well because he had done these miracles he had spoken these words that nobody else had ever heard before and that challenged people the Pharisees and the religious teachers that we've been looking at previously they hated him they didn't hate him because they didn't like what he said or they didn't like what he said they hated him because he spoke the truth that's why they hated him and they could not believe that this was the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Son of God, the one that God would send to be the Redeemer. They were waiting and looking for somebody else. But So they are astonished, and we see here in his hometown, uh, and, and when we think sometimes of truly spiritual people, we, 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 we forget that they're just normal. It's just Jesus it a carpenter son he says and as we come to this he says Jesus he does these miracles and we see in the story here because they recognize him as a carpenter's son he says it brings us to the culmination of the story which is as we see in verse 58 in verse 58 the final verse he says he did not do many miracles there because of the lack of faith so we have to ask the question, particularly in this day and age, is does our unbelief hinder the work of God? Because often at times there's teaching that goes around that actually God will do stuff depending on our level of faith. And how far do we go with that? How far do we go with actually if all I need to do is have huge faith, then God would do huge things. Is that the case? Is that why Jesus didn't do many miracles here well let's look at this because the importance of faith has already been stressed here as it has been already in Matthew It says we've spoken on all of these and Jesus uh, when we look at this we see Jesus is not only he's amazed and astonished at times at the level of people's faith Uh, in in chapter 8 verse 10 we see when he's speaking to the centurion servant he says when Jesus heard this he was amazed and said to those following him truly I tell you I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith when the centurion comes and asks for healing for his servant he says Jesus says I'll come to your house the centurion said no you don't need to do that just say the word and he'll be healed Uh, and suddenly he sees that I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel than this man here why is it is it his level of faith no it's a faith in the one who he believes can heal his servant he said so that's the first instant that we see the second one that we see in chapter nine verse two that we spoke of it says some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat when Jesus saw their faith he said to the man take heart son your sins are forgiven So it's clear already that we're seeing that Jesus recognises people's faith. I mean, in this situation, it's not even the faith of the man who was ill. You know, often at times, and it's completely wrong teaching and theology sometimes, it leaves people with a lot of guilt when they're not healed, when they're not healed, when people say, well, you weren't healed because of your level of faith. That's not true. He says here in this situation, as far as we read into it, the paralysed man has no faith at all. He's just being carried along by his friends. But his friends have the faith to believe that Jesus can heal him. I mean, on a side note, that's why it's important who your friends are, isn't it? You want friends to get you to Jesus. You want friends to take you to Jesus. You you want friends to have the faith for you when when, when things are going bad for you. But that's another sermon in itself. But here in this story, we see that Jesus saw their faith and said to them take heart your son take heart son your sins are forgiven when Jesus comes to the woman with the issue of blood in in later on in chapter 9 he does this he says Jesus turned to her and saw her take heart daughter he said your faith has healed you and the woman was healed at that moment and so here's another situation that the woman makes a way to Jesus. And when we looked at this, we thought this woman had no right to be anywhere near Jesus. She was a woman, she was unclean, everything gone, but she got to Jesus. Jesus uses that statement. He says, Your faith has healed you. Now, often at times when people read that and say, Well, there's the example. That that's why we have to have great faith. Uh, and stuff. but your faith has healed you does not mean in proportion to your faith but this rather since you believe since you believe your request is granted because I don't often believe that has anything to do with our level of faith but to the one our faith is in I mean Jesus uses later on in Matthew 17 when he says you know if your faith is small as a mustard seed I mean a mustard seed is about that big I mean Jesus says that's a requirement for having faith and if you have faith as big as that you would say to this mountain you know take yourself from there and jump into the sea so even Jesus is not using a level of faith for those who who expect to see great things or expect to do that Jesus is actually saying have the faith in me have the faith in me but believe in me uh, and for the woman here, it says, "It says your faith has healed you. And we looked at that day that actually she had to do something. She had to get to Jesus. She had to touch the hem of his garment. She had to move her feet. She had to stretch her hands out. She had to fight away through the crowd. And when she had done all that she could do, Jesus responded and healed her. And there, I believe, is a picture of faith often that actually we do all that we can do and then uh, but then the final one that we see just as, as we're building this is this is uh, when he had gone indoors a blind men came to him and asked them do you believe that i am able to do this yes lord they replied then he touched their eyes and said according to your faith let it be done to you the fourth and final example of what we're looking at here is Jesus asking them a question Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes. He touched their eyes, they were healed according to his faith. So when we look at this and read these stories, there is a sense that we have to have a level of faith in believing that Jesus can do uh the things that we ask him to do, that when we pray to God, we're believing in faith. But we've also not got to base it on the proportion and level of faith that we have. Believing the more faith we have, the more chance God is going to answer our prayer. Because we've got to work out alongside the plan of God, the sovereignty of God, the purpose of God. What God is doing in our life. And you see it's dangerous sometimes for us to teach something that says you didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith. It says we encourage faith. But we encourage trusting God's plan and purpose as well. And as we come back to this story, because we've seen this, Jesus knew this. They wanted miracles, but he also knew their hearts that they would not believe, even if they saw the miracles. You know, when somebody has, uh, has done a miracle or something happens in a church, people flock to it sometimes, don't they? Because they want to see that, that supernatural, uh, they want to see. I often say this, and this is true. You know, when, when Jesus was here on earth, he, he performed all these miracles. I mean, he fed 5,000 <laughs> people one day with, with loaves and fishes. He says at the end of his time here on earth, he was left with just over 100 people who were really committed and dedicated to him. Doing the miracles had not brought any more people to him. Because that wasn't necessarily the purpose of it. The purpose of miracles was this, was to give give reason to believe. They were not done just to solve people's physical problems, but to present evidence that Jesus was a representative of God and God's power was working in him. That's why the miracles were done. So when people saw Jesus and when he preached, because it says he preached and he teached and he did signs of God. And when he did that, the preaching and the teaching was the explanation for the miracles that Jesus did, which is I'm the son of God. I, I am the chosen one, the Messiah who was come. But the danger is like for these people here, they were just looking for the miracles For the sake of miracles. It wasn't going to be anything that changed their hearts. It wasn't going to be anything that made any difference within them. And knowing from the outset that these people would not believe Jesus. They knew there was no point in doing the miracles. He did not want to do it just for the sake of their entertainment or their curiosity. So actually it says he marveled at their unbelief. That though they knew him better than anybody he says they were the ones that rejected him the most they were the ones that turned away from him the most and Jesus moved on and continued teaching in other places you see it is true in a sense that he was limited uh, by their unbelief because of what they've done and unbelief is very different from doubt you know unbelief is the very thing that made Eve eat the forbidden fruit in the beginning it kept Israel out of the promised land. It caused the Jews to ignore their prophets and ultimately led them to crucify their Messiah. Because unbelief is very different from doubt. It says doubt is part of the journey of faith. Unbelief is a complete denial of who Jesus is and what God can do. And we must be careful that we do not journey onto that unbelief and become sceptical and say, that's not God, he's not doing it he says that's what happened in this story they rejected Jesus and you see the reason is simply this God does not exist for the pleasure of man he does not exist because we simply pray uh, play some worship music get a preacher up and then suddenly moves to our call or dances to our tune for want of a better phrase it's the other way around man exists for God Jesus was not going to perform these miracles just to satisfy their curiosity, not just to entertain them on this day. You see, we look at it and say the difference is it's not that Jesus could not do the miracles here based on their faith. He just chose not to. He chose not to because this was not part of what he wanted to see. This was not part of the plan of God to satisfy their curiosity, to satisfy in a sense all the stuff that, that they were doing and so that leaves us with this question the how much does our unbelief hinder the word that God desires to do in you and through you Well, it's clear we have to have faith uh, and we have to have faith in God it's not enough just to have faith as in some sort of magical force that we need to have we have faith in God and we believe in what God can do and we hold on to that truth. Not simply that faith is a mystical, magical force. But actually in the circumstances and the situations that we are facing, we have faith to believe that God can make a difference. But we trust God whether he answers us or not. We trust God whatever answer he gives to us when we come to the uh, things that we bring to him. That, that's real trust. But faith is to believe that God can change our circumstances, change our situations, heal us, heal our loved ones, answer the prayers that we bring to him as we come today. Let us take a moment to pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you, Lord. But, Father, even as we read this story, it, it wasn't that your son didn't heal or do miracles because he couldn't. He chose not to. Father, make us people that don't expect things out of curiosity or entertainment, but out of belief and trust in you. And Father, for all the people, with all the circumstances and situations that they are facing in church this morning, we we pray for them today. Believing, Father God, that God, that you would answer their prayers that Father even if they had faith as small as a mustard seed that that faith is in you God we believe you can do what needs to be done and we do that today Lord we thank you that faith is a requirement of trusting in you that we believe Father God in this world and all that's going on that God you have not abandoned your authority, your control and we thank you for that today We pray for those with their struggles, with their challenges, with their difficulties today. But we thank you as well for those in the middle of those who are choosing to have that faith within you. In Jesus' name. Amen.